Right. Good. Well, welcome here this morning on Breakthrough City Church. Welcome to those um, overseas. I think the Swiss family might be watching now. Welcome there. Grüezi mitnabend. God is good. So, uh, welcome to those in South Africa as well. Those here this morning. Um, I'm going to share a message here this morning. Um, I, I wanted, I'm just transitioning a bit from what I've been sharing the last period of time. Um, when it comes, when I've been sharing about worship and what praise is about and um, a lot of uh, the personal walk and relationship with Jesus, what we've been called to walk with. This morning, I'm going to share some things here and, and some of these things you're going to be familiar with. You've heard some of this before, but I just want to take a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a take on this what I want to share about this morning. Um, and um, I want us just to have a look at, we'll go into, you know, the, the prayer in Matthew 6, and uh, where Jesus, where the disciples come and say to Jesus, teach us how to pray. So um, there's one verse I just want to highlight there as well. And remember, we many of us speak about the Lord's Prayer. Well, it's actually not... Um, uh, it's not really uh, 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 the Lord's Prayer in that sense. We have it as a, as a heading that because in the, our Father, the prayer, it says, forgive us for our sins. Now, Jesus was not a sinner. So understand that very clearly. He's actually teaching his disciples about this is how I want you to pray. And this is not a recipe and a, or, uh, it's just a thing that you mumble off because it has meaning. It has, it has content. It's more than just... Uh, uh, ink on paper, it, it, it means something. So one of the verses which, which basically is really just a foundation for uh, even this congregation, but I believe for, for the body of Christ it should be, and that is um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in Matthew 6 verse 10. So Jesus prays a prayer, and remember all the prayers of Jesus always get, gets answered. You do realize that. So when he prays, he says, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What is the will of God is his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. All right. So that is why the church uh, was birthed when Jesus was on the cross. Jesus was stabbed uh, by the soldier with a spear in his side. And it, said, uh, it says that blood and water flowed from his side. So that is where the church was birthed. And... Uh, um, so he paid a price for the church. And um, God then places you into a local body, a local part of the ch uh, church in that where he builds you in. Um, so it is not just something that is floating in the air. It is a f a, the spiritual body of Christ. And there are local places across the world, local houses, spiritual houses that God places you in. And that you become a, a living stone as the book of Peter says. So here is what Jesus says, what's the will of God on earth as it is in heaven? Therefore, there's no sickness in heaven. Therefore, what's the will of God on earth? No sickness on earth. All right. There's, there's, there's so much that God wants us to experience and to live out. All right. Um, a lot of us are dying to go to heaven. Instead of realizing that heaven is not heaven without Jesus. So if you're born again and Jesus is living in you, how much of heaven are you experiencing? Did you hear what I said? Heaven is heaven because of Jesus. 
So we know heaven is so beautiful, so amazing. So, I've, I mean, there's so many things we hear about um, testimonies and stuff of people who've died, gone to heaven. We read about it in the Bible. But to also just to realize that, um, you know, besides the beauty and the awesomeness, heaven is heaven because of the presence of God. But if Christ is living in you and me, what's that reality? Do you understand? So many people don't realize they want to die to go to heaven and don't realize that Jesus, the presence of God, who He is, is heaven. The reality of that experience is not just a place because heaven doesn't contain God. God is in heaven, but He's not contained by heaven. He's bigger than heaven. Do you realize that? So even if heaven and earth disappear, guess what? His word, He's the living word, doesn't go away. Right, so I want us to understand this because there's a reality. Because sometimes you read the scriptures, but it's not real. It's just a nice thought. This morning, I want us just to understand that, that God is calling us to experience Him. God is wanting us to experience His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so, um, so what is the number one commission? This is the number one commission given to the church on earth as it is in heaven. So... Um, every uh, commission that is given to us, for instance, commissions that has been given to the church is like going to all the world, um, disciple all nations. Matthew 10 speaks about heal the sick, heal, heal the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. These are commissions he's given to the church. It's not for some. All right? It's for everyone. So, um, so all the commissions that are given to us is actually expressions of this one commission. That commission is to do what? To pray heaven on earth. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So what that reality is must break out here. Okay? This is not, this is not just a, a theology. It has to become an experience. Remember what I said that the, the, the word of God is not ink on paper. It ha- the, the living word has to become real in our lives. We've got to experience these things. Um, you know, I've said this many times before, is that we speak about, um, we speak about how can someone who's, who's, who's not born again tell you how to be born again? How can someone who's unsaved tell you how to be saved? Unless they experienced it. So, you experience this. It's the, being born again is what you experience. It's not a theology. But it can become a theology and not an experience. So the kingdom of God is something that we experience. It is not a, a, just a historical book, this Bible. It is a reality of, of where God inspired men to write things down. The scriptures of God. The authority, final authority is the word of God. But God wants us to experience this as well. Okay. So I, I want to emphasize this, that else we form a religious-based set of rules and we live by a set of rules, but we don't experience God. So we do the church Christianity thing, but God, why I'm saying this is God wants us to experience Him in a real way. Okay, so um, everything we do is in some way to what? Fulfill the heartbeat of bringing his world into this one. 
So it's not what, uh, just understand this, it's not that, that the natural things, you know, the natural is evil, but basically it's that it was designed, the natural, the things in, in, that we live in here, it was designed to live under, the natural is designed to live under the influence of an unseen reality. So whatever we experience in here, it's been designed that we live in, under the influence of an unseen reality that starts to break out here. This, the reality of, of even in the spiritual is more real than the physical here because this is going to pass away. Just remember, if someone dies today with Christ or without Christ, they live forever. I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> we live forever, whether you're in Christ or without Christ. But those who don't know Christ, that are dead in Christ, even though they're dead, they do live forever. Okay, we don't focus on that, but there's a reality to that. But this is all temporary. But His will that is invading you becomes permanent, reality. Okay, so when I receive Christ, the reality, I'm born again, I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation, I live with Him forever. That reality becomes manifest, it's real. Okay, it's tangible. Okay, so in Psalm 22 verse 3, basically I've touched on this the last few weeks as well, um, where we speak about when we worship or when we praise, the Bible says in Psalm 22 verse 3 that He inhabits uh, the praises of His people. So the presence of God actually rests on us when we actually worship Him. When we are praising, His presence actually rests on us. If you're in the car, and you lifting up the name. Remember I said last a uh, couple of weeks ago about when you, you speak the things of God, when you exalt Him, He comes and rests. His presence rests on what I'm saying. Remember what I said, if God inhabits your praises, then who inhabits your complaining? So, when... God inhabits and His presence is on us. He inhabits the presence or the, the praises of His people. Um, there are different manifestations of His presence. There are different manifestations of His presence. Um, we've seen that even where it speaks about when God walks in Isaiah, that the trail, His trail follows Him. And there's an ever-increasing presence that comes and manifestation of His presence. There's different times where there's the intensity of these presence that we experience in different ways, okay? So there's different, there are different levels and measures of His presence. Now, don't be satisfied with an answer on paper, all right? Um, like, like being satisfied. Uh, um, don't be satisfied just with the answer on paper. Be satisfied with actually experiencing that, what the paper says. It's like, you know, you get a driver's license or whatever. Paper, on the paper, it might say that. But if you're not driving your vehicle, it means nothing. You've got to experience it. Come on, why get a driver's license if you can't drive a car? So you've got to experience what's on the paper. It can't just be something written here. And that's what I said this before. And, it, and it, you know, just think about it before being offended. Um, but, you know, I said, there's more people in love with the Bible than the author of the Bible. I'm serious. There's more people that make the book more holy than who he is 
He's the Holy One. This is speaking of Him. Alright, so, paper answers, alright, will help with a quiz. But when we have an encounter with God, it's going to change our lives. So, these encounters with the Lord will help us to become transformed people. And this is the thing I've said before, you've heard my testimony um, where I gave my life to the Lord on the 4th of May, 1990, um, I encountered God. And that, that was, that just by the way, um, there was things that happened to me before I got saved, where I saw His interventions only after I got saved, because I didn't realize it was Him. But when I got saved that night, the encounter, what I encountered, I didn't encounter just... Uh, passage of scripture I encountered the living God I encountered a God that loved me and loves me unconditionally the unconditional love of God I experienced in a tangible real way it was not just a, uh, a thought it was a absolute conviction of the Holy Spirit that I was a sinner but the love that I experienced that night overwhelmed me so That I could not but respond to this unconditional love. And for each person, it is a reality for us to experience this unconditional love. I was not conformed to some religious system, but I literally experienced the absolute love of God. God's love is... More real than any of this in front of us here that I'm touching. His love is so, so overwhelming. I can tell you of this, but what is transforming is my experience. God wants you not just to have the message, but He wants the message to become flesh in you. The Word became flesh. The Word of God became flesh. Jesus is the living Word. The Word of God manifested in the flesh. So I'm challenging us because I really believe God's taking just the church into a place to experience Him in a real way, not just here on a Sunday, but in wherever we are at. Um, you know, there's, there's amazing people that have got some great insight into the principles of the kingdom. There's amazing stuff. I mean, there's things that I've actually worked um, messages and content from. I mean, um, you know, just truths and stuff, just amazing stuff, so rich. You know, you, it's overwhelming, actually. But so many, there's many people with amazing principles of the kingdom, but you only end up many times with principles of the kingdom without the presence. Um, so it's almost like we've said before, you actually have a kingdom without a king. You sit with principles, but you don't have the king. 
You have principles about the king. But you don't have the king, reality of the king there. Um, you see, God never intended our walk with him to be um, about rituals or formulas or rules or regulations. It was always meant to be a, re- a relational journey. So it's something we experience. And, and a lot of us, I mean, I think every one of us have come from some form of background where our relational influence has been not always good, but also negative. You know, it's that thing of, you know, bad image of a father. The father's never on the scene. Or the mother's just there, that, and your image of how you see the father, or how you see Jesus, or how you see the Holy Spirit. It affects us. Okay, God created us for a relationship, eh? So, we all long for it, but sometimes we've all had knocks in life and it affects these relational things. Okay, so God always meant that we had this relational journey. It's not just with principles, but with actually with Him. Um, we have a task as a church to basically live under the mantle of the presence of God um, because it affects everything around us. It affects everything around us. I've told you we've had this number of times where um, just because of the presence of God on you, people come to you and say, what is this that you have? Uh, all the demons manifest without even praying for people in the streets. We've seen this. I've told you we've seen this in the red light district in Amsterdam. Like very, like I've told you before and I'll repeat again where we saw a guy coming probably about 15, 20 meters away. 60 foot. And we walk in and we actually in the red light district, we cross in through to another area. My wife and I, we walk in and, um, and this guy starts manifesting, demons starts manifesting him. And he's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. like coming like, you know, you see in the movies. Almost, yeah. And he's coming towards us, but he's just like, because the, where there's light, it drives darkness away. But we carry the presence of God, guys. And the presence of God is real or it's not real to you. And the presence of God has an effect on and through your life. That's the difference. What are you most aware of is the question. Because <laughs> that influences your experience. I want us just to have a look at Exodus chapter 3. You can turn with me there. Um, Exodus chapter 3. And uh, this is a story about... Um, where Moses asks a question, and it's about the story of the burning bush, a bush that was burning that was not burning. And uh, Exodus chapter 3, and Moses goes, and you know the story where he turns aside, he sees, uh, you know, uh, he walks this route normally, and then he, t- he turns aside to see something, a bush that's burning that was not being consumed. So you know the story, and... Um, uh, it, it speaks about how, you know, he turns aside in verse 3, uh, Exodus 3, 3, it says, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Right? And um, um, so he turns aside, and then what he does is he, he asks the Lord, he says, um, in verse 11, he says, But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, there's this conversation that happens and then he's overwhelmed by the presence of God and then he says, he says, basically, he says, well, who am I? Because God starts to speak to him. 
from this bush. And he says, but, you know, God says, listen, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to take my people out there. And he says, but who am I? All right. And so God answers, uh, answers him. It's almost like God, uh, you know, wasn't paying it the way. It's, I'll read it to you. That God, it, it seems like God's not paying attention when he actually asks a question when he says, who am I? Because uh, it says here in uh, verse 12, he says, so he said, well, I certainly, uh, sorry, let me just read this um, in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, this is God, says, I will certainly be with you. I will certainly be with you. Who am I? God, you know, it's like, and like I said, it seems like he doesn't answer him, like God doesn't answer him. He says, I will be with you. You see, at first, you know, it seems like God ignores the question, but God did not ignore the question that Moses asked. Because when God said, I will be with you, he was actually revealing to Moses, who are you? You the guy I want to be with. He's actually saying to Moses, you the guy I want to be with. He says, who am I? And God says, you the guy I want to be with. You are the one I'm willing to manifest myself to. You see, God is actually saying, I'm, I'm willing to manifest myself upon you and that's who you are. Because a lot of us are moving from who we think we are. Identity. And yet when we move from where God says, I'm with you, it's my identity and what I am is who He is. You see, God is actually saying, I'm more interested in the substance um, or we've got to realize that, that I need to be more interested in who He is, which rests upon every born-again believer, who rests upon you and me. I need to believe that, that He's resting. It's, I'm more dependent on Him than the gifts of God upon my life. Because you can function from the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit, without relationship even with God. But I need to be more dependent on Him than the gifts. Because the gifts and the call are irrevocable according to the Word of God. So, we see example like with Peter. We know about Peter's shadow. When he actually walked past people, the, sh the shadow of Peter, when he walked past people were healed. Um, and we need to realize whatever overshadows us, um, will release whatever is upon us. So we release what overshadows us in our lives. Is it the Spirit of God that overshadows us? Or what overshadows us? Because whatever we are carrying on us is what we are releasing around us. When we learn to be the person who gives place to the Holy Spirit, not for the sake of you know, getting something, doing well in business or leading or having a ministry. But it's about, 
Um, we, we desire to know God not for what we get. I spoke about this the other day. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. It's not about what gets added. It's about the relationship. His righteousness is the right standing with God. It's a relationship. But we like to do things because we want the addition. And I, I also feel a lot um, of things are happening in the world where there's, there are things that we don't necessarily have in the natural, where many Christians become disappointed in because we don't see the addition. And yet a lot of us are actually forming idols from what has been added instead of serving Him for who He is. We said this earlier, we were saying us in this week, I think I was speaking to my daughter and that, saying, well, you know what, uh, what if everything you have anyway gets taken away? Will you still serve God? Will you still love Him? Will you still love God if you still don't have anything? Why do you serve God? Why do you love Him? So we don't want intimacy with, um, you know, intimacy as a profession. So this is the thing as well. Even with ministry things, it's so easy that you want to, uh, if, you know, see people's lives change, this and this. But is the intimacy you want to influence the people or is the intimacy because you love God? Because this professional intimacy is actually, we have a word for it, we call it prostitution. Is a professional intimate. Or intimacy. It's our identity. It's in the name of the one who called us to himself. This is what we've been called to. That's where our identity lies. It's in who he is. It's not about what we do. So therefore I do good in business. I do good in what ministry. I do good in whatever is it in that that, that is, sustains me or does he sustain me? Can I walk away from that? You see, the word of God says, God will not, listen to me, the word of God says, God will not share his glory with another. You read that? But do you know that you and I are not another? God will share the glory with you and me. You know why? Because we're not another. Because the Bible says this, you're born again, you what? You're part of the body of Christ. So therefore you're not another. The government rests where? Isaiah says, government doesn't rest on the head. The government rests on our shoulders. On the shoulders. The body of Christ. We're the spiritual body of Christ. So, he intends to implement his purpose through you and me. He intends to, in, to bring about transformation through yielded people. He will not share his glory with another. We're not another because we're part of the body of Christ. So it is in that yieldedness that we have that he actually works through. Every day of our lives, we are being tested to see what measure actually of glory we carry. What measure do you carry? 
the glory of God, one of the meanings in the Bible, in the Bible, the glory means, the one word means the weightiness of God, the heaviness of God, the weightiness of God is um, one of the words for glory in the Bible. So if, if, remember we touched on this about relationships, so if I have a fracture in the foundation, the greater the glory that actually rests on me, the greater the fracture is going to become. Remember what I said to you about, um, just in a similar uh, example, um, when you get a lot of money, for example, a lot of finances come in. Money compounds what's inside you and that's what's going to come out. Money compounds what's already inside you. If you're greedy, you're going to become more greedy. If you're more, that good English word, freigevig, for those who are listening, generous. Uh, if you're more generous, you, gen- you become more kind, you become more generous. So money compounds what you have and what you carry. It's the same as you've seen people who've suddenly been elevated to a place of stardom, fame and stuff. You see the next minute they're in drugs, they divorce, they this, this. And you think, what happened? It's, it's the fractures in us. And that's why God wants to bring about transformation in the nations. But it is dependent on what and we are becoming and being transformed. Because we've been called to carry His glory. And to reveal His glory through the church. So God is constantly working to heal our foundation, alright? So that we can actually release greater glory. This is what He's busy doing. And that's why the church has been gained through the body of Christ, through fire. There's testing. Remember, you and I go through tests because if we have a test, we have a testimony. God doesn't tempt us, but He does test us. Because that's where we have testimonies. That's where we become transformed. Alright, so His passion for us to become... uh, 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 Firstly, let me say this. God's passion for us is to become a bride without spot without blemish, all right? There's, a, there's, a, there's this longing in his heart, and this is a longing in, in our hearts, that we are the bride of Christ. Um, because not everyone in the church is part of the bride. The second thing about that God is passionate about is that the glory of God fills the earth. God is passionate about the glory, his glory to fill the earth. That the glory of the Lord will cover the, the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's why, get ready, because the glorious church is busy arising on planet earth. Not a defeated church, the glorious, victorious church. These are the dreams of God. The dreams of God for us, okay? Um, And... To him, it's a practical thing. It's not just a pie in the sky. To him, it's practical because that's why Jesus says, I want you to learn something when I teach you this in Matthew 6, verse 10. I want you to pray something because whatever I'm showing you is what's going to happen. 
So on earth as it is in heaven. This is the world. This is my world for you. This is my world through you. Okay? So when... Um, uh, you, you can have a look at uh, in John 2. Let's just turn there quickly to the book of John. John chapter 2. And uh, we know about the, the wedding of Cana. And we know where the water is changing to wine. And uh, so in verse 11, in John 2 verse 11, it says the following. John chapter 2 verse 11, it says, This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested what? His glory. And His disciples believed in Him. Alright, so... Um, We know the story about where the water gets turned into wine. Um, and what has happened is that many times this is taken as a subject and not just as an individual act. So, because, I don't know if you read, listen to what I just read to you in that verse there. This has become a subject it says here, it speaks about what the water changed to wine. Isn't that so? It says this beginning of what? Sign or signs, plural. Plural signs. Okay, so sometimes God is also in those details. So it says these signs, plural, because Jesus, he started to do, to release glory was to do signs. It wasn't just one thing. He st it starts to speak. This is what's happening. There's a multitude to come. Now listen to this. Um, how's the glory of the Lord going to fill the earth? I'm glad you asked me. <laughs> how's the glory of the Lord going to fill the earth? One of the, primary, one of the primary ways is where we see one miracle after another. We start to see the glory manifesting on earth. One miracle at a time. So every miracle, just understand this, every miracle manifests or releases glory into the atmosphere. Right? So every miracle releases glory into the atmosphere. So this is what we said earlier on, that we owe the world a demonstration um, of and to reveal the glory of God. We owe the world a demonstration to see the miraculous. Remember when I started off with saying on earth as it is in heaven. I said to you there are commissions in this. Going to all the world. Uh, one of the commissions. Remember I said Jesus doesn't ask us to pray for the sick. He doesn't ask us to pray for the sick. He commands us to pray for the sick. Do you understand? I'm saying, I'm saying this because we've got to measure ourselves with the word. He doesn't ask us to pray for this. He, he commands us. He says, he commands, command his disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, heal the leper. It's a command. It's not what you feel, it's what we do. Because when that happens, glory, the glory of God is revealed on earth. So, 
we need to demonstrate this, okay? So because he has, God has done everything necessary to make it possible for you and me to actually reveal his glory. So, you know, like we, I, I was so glad to hear Tina this morning that speaking about, um, you know, she went, wanted to pray for the guy which she saw sick whose ear was half ripped off and uh, just going to the pharmacy uh, and, um, and then he says, no, I don't want you to pray for me. And, you know, the thing is, keep praying. Just keep, you know, because you can so be put off. The same as I told you, you know, we contended praying for my father. My father dies of cancer. So what, must I stop praying for people? No. It makes me more, uh, uh, more inside a holy fury that rises up to say, we will contend to see cancer, that this city becomes cancer-free zone. You know, there's, there's so many prophetic words being given over uh, by people like Smith Wigglesworth, things like they lived more than 100 years ago. Pe- you know, I mean, well, it says it in the Bible, but we, we've heard of this. There's books being written about this. Yeah, even in Africa, where we've heard the testimonies where hospitals have been emptied. Morgues have been emptied because children from a Sunday school go and pray for the people there, and the next day those people are all healed. The hospitals get empty. The people on staff then join their teams. There's books written about this. You know, but you don't find what you're not looking for. There's enough negative things. Go on the internet. I'm sure if you put my name up or your friend's name, you're going to find something negative. Because what you're looking for, if you're looking for, for a mess, you're going to find it. If you're looking for gold, you'll also find it. That's why gold is hidden in the ground. It's for you and me to find. Whoever is wanting it will find it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Alright, so keep trying until it works. Um, you know, we, we cannot change our assignment to do what we feel good about. If God has commanded us, this is what He designs on earth as in heaven, whatever you're doing as a vocation, we can't change the assignment God has for us. What's His will on earth as it, that what is in heaven? But there's a practical will. It's not just a prayer. It's not this repetition of this mantra or whatever. It is something you and I do. I don't know if you realize what I'm saying. It is what we do. It is what we are. It is what we go about doing. Alright. So, the thing is, as many times people find their ministry uh, 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 by what they, they're good at and not by what they're called to do. I'm good at this, therefore I, I must do that. Um, I'm good at, uh, uh, I, I'm saying, listen, I'm doing, I'm, the stuff I'm doing, I've, I've never ever thought I'll do in my life. Come on. If I told you what I was going to do, I was going to be a mercenary. He sold out. That's what I was doing. But now I'm a soldier for the Lord. Did you understand? It's ridiculous. Sometimes, and this sometimes because we find strength in our own strength instead of His strength. And the thing is, a lot of us go through turmoil and a lot of things in life because we never find our weakness. Because the Bible says, in our weakness, He's strong. A lot of us are working at our own strength. That's why we burn out. Because we never found that in our weakness, He becomes strong. If I define my ministry by what I'm good at, then I'll always be limited by, the same, some, by some measure uh, by what I already know how to do. 
I mean, it's like, I now to do this, therefore I stick to the box. I mean, there's things God sometimes told me just to do. I mean, the first time I had to go to a hospital to pray for someone, you heard the testimony, I was just saved. And God spoke to me like I'm speaking to you now in the vehicle, right in. And two times, I think he spoke a third time, maybe it would mean lightning, I don't know. Um, but to go pray for that guy in that hospital that time, which I believe I led to the Lord and uh, he then died told you he was in a coma he, oh he had he had a sorry he had a stroke and when i prayed with him i prayed the salvation prayer with him the old man he started crying when i went to check up him three days later he, he was he had died and i believe i'll see him again but god told me like i'm speaking to you now this i spoke it's one of the clearest times that i've heard god speak so clearly but you do things. God's calling you not to do what you're good at. He's calling you to do things that you many times are not good at all. That's why sometimes you can be known as a fool for Christ. So we can't define um, our things that we do, our ministry, our whatever, by what we're good at. In... Uh, Just understand this, that um, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, it speaks about how that we need to pursue earnestly the gifts. So many times there's things we have to take hold of that we're not used to doing. It's like many times people say to me, 1 Corinthians 12 speaks about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they say, but, and God gave some to do this, some to do this. And then they say, but I only pray for the sick, or I can only prophesy, or I can only um, do miracles, the part of those nine gifts in that. And I said, no, 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 wait a minute. It's faith that activates the gifts. So for the occasion that you're in, this is when then, if you read a bit further in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, it speaks about this, that pursue earnestly the gifts, plural. Okay? So there's these things we need to take hold of and that to pursue. Okay, to fulfill the specific purpose that you and I have. You know, you might say you're a business person. Well, you know, but I don't pray for the sick in my office. Right? I said, why not? Who you follow? Are you a follower of Jesus? Who, what did Jesus do? Pray for the sick. Oh, yes, there you did. <laughs> Let's not go there. So, um, we know the example of Peter. And uh, we know that where, where Peter would walk, his shadow falls on the people and they get healed. I thought, that's quite cool. That's so amazing. And remember, whatever overshadows you is what's going to affect people. So, the, if the Holy Spirit is overshadowing you, well, things are going to happen around you. And what's not happening around you also is a question what's overshadowing you. Okay? So, yeah, we have Jesus. Um, remember the Jesus, uh, Jesus and the woman touches his garment. Right? And what happens? The, the woman is healed. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She touches his garment and he's healed. And the story spreads. And uh, it spreads all around. And... Uh, um, you can read, I'll just give you the verse, in Mark chapter 6, verse 56. In Mark chapter 6, verse 56. Now remember, this happens with Jesus. He gets, there's one woman touches, gets healed. What happens further on, it says this in Mark 6, verse 56. Um, every person who could touch his garment was made well. Have you read that before? Every person that could touch his garment was made well. Read it. 
So what started here with one woman touching his garment, remember because I say many times we read one thing and we think this is a subject. Jesus changed water into wine. But it speaks about the signs because it is, there's an increase of what God is doing the whole time. And that increase is what he wants to do through you and me. It didn't stop. Then Jesus announces something here. And this is what I want to say sometimes like challenges me. Jesus announces after these things are happening. Greater works shall you do. There's greater works you and I are going to do. Do you know that there's so many things that happened. The Bible says that there were not enough books to be written. There were not enough books to record all the miracles and things that happened that Jesus did. And then, yeah, Jesus announces his greater works you're going to do. You and me. You see, when Paul comes along, we know uh, the Apostle Paul... And what we know the story about how they take his handkerchiefs and they take when, you know, his sweatbands when he was working and stuff like that. When he was making tents, remember he was a tent maker, that was his business. So he was making tents and he, they took his sweatbands and stuff, you know, wiping his face. And they took that to the sick people and they were healed. Alright? Um, so l- listen to this. They took those handkerchiefs and that to other geographical positions and places, right? Are you still with me? So, um, even when the Bible says the tormented person, when they came into contact with a handkerchief that was put on them, they were healed. So, Jesus says, greater works you will do. Yeah, we start to see it in the New Testament, start to happen. Um, Listen to this, it says that they came to Jesus. Then it says the following. It speaks about Paul's handkerchiefs were what? Taken somewhere else. Did you see what happened? People came to Jesus, yeah. But there was such an increase of what was starting to happen that it wasn't like come to Paul to get healed. Take, just take this, just I'm working here, just take this handkerchief here, go take it with and they start geographically in different regions started to get healed. There was an increase of the miraculous because the increase of the miraculous releases greater glory. Who gets glorified? He does. So when this doesn't happen, he doesn't get glorified because people don't glorify, glorify and are not marveled at his works. And yet the Bible says they get marveled when they see this happen. Healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. It was never meant that the cycle of increase was to stop. When the book of Acts... Remember, the book of Acts, it never ended. It's continuing still. We are part of that book of Acts still. Each born-again believer. Moving in the power of the Spirit of God, okay? So... um, It's never stopped by God's design, the miraculous and the supernatural. It's stopped by man's design. So we like to have things like, um, uh, uh, you know, we understand. You know, I want to understand stuff, how stuff works. You know, if I don't understand something, then, I mean, there's stuff I don't understand still to this day. And the more I walk with the Lord, the less I understand. 
Because, you know, you want to understand everything. How this works, how does it fit in this box? How does it fit in, you know, um, this context of that? I mean, guys, I mean, you know, whether I did it in the Greek and the Hebrew study, which I did, whether it is in different theologies and stuff, and I say, that's wonderful, that's great. But as long as it doesn't stay there, but it becomes a reality. But we cannot put God in a box, okay? Um, My obedience does not depend on my understanding. I mean, there's stuff... Okay, I'm telling you, if God says to you, and I know you, you probably read this or heard this in your life. You know, the Father tells Jesus, he's spit in the mud. Put in the mud, in the person's eye. Come on! Are you going to really do that if you hadn't read that in the Bible? You wouldn't have done it. Unless you knew the Father was definitely speaking to you. So, a lot of us are disobedient because we don't understand something. I mean, there's stuff God's told us, go there. Give that away. I don't always understand it. Many times later, I see the effect of it. So you don't, and that's the thing, sometimes we want to, under, we only if we understand, then we want to be obedient to the word. And I say, come on, there's so much I don't understand. That's why we need to become more like children. It's like, oh, you said it, Lord, let's do it. That's how I started, so, so my first healing was through that. I was saved, I told you, a week or two. That was the thing, remember the gardener story, and I just, you know, the Lord said, pray for him. Because I had read it in that week. I was a new believer. Pray for him, God heals him instantaneously. Just be obedient. You don't have to understand it. Especially if you're a guy putting your hand on another guy's leg. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I didn't ask him, can I put my hand on your leg or anything. So, <laughs> his eyes were big. Mine would also be. Anyway, I am learning a bit about asking about stuff. Alright, so, um, so my obedience does not depend on my understanding. Now listen, I said this the other day. If, if I only obey what I understand then I have created a God in my own image. If I don't understand this, then I've created a God in my own image. Because I understand this thing. Alright, so, um, if I understand everything that's going on in my Christian life, then I actually have an inferior Christian life. Yeah. I mean, guys, there's times, I know it's just maybe you, but there's times I say, Lord, what are you doing? Because there's things I go through and I want to understand what I'm going through. Instead of saying, God, okay, what, 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 you, what are you doing in my life? Or Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Because many of us go through and we, we, then we feel saved, then we don't feel saved, then we feel saved, then we feel lost, then we feel... The, and it's like, okay, Lord, you know what you're doing. Because you said in your word, you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. I don't understand what's going on. You see, my need for mystery is huge. Because where there's mystery and, and stuff I don't understand... What happens is that this is where my trust develops. Do you think the Israelites or Moses could trust God? Because, okay, when you get to this Mark X here, the water will open and the whole sea will open. 
And then you're going to walk on dry ground, not wet. And you see, we want to know everything. We want to know about our future. We want to know about everything else. And God says, I want you to walk in mystery as well. Because walking in mystery, you're going to learn to trust me. That's why the Bible says, the word of God is what? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What does it mean? That means the word of God gives me insight to where I'm taking the next step. And it gives me insight to walk on this path ahead. But I don't see everything. That means I need to trust him. That means what? It's about my relationship with him. You and I need to learn to obey without understanding. And that's difficult. You know, it seems the older you get, the more you want to understand. <laughs> Not like me, I'm young and wild still. Very young. <laughs> and you know, when you, you're young, you just do it. You know, you just jump from that. You just jump into that. You just, the older you get, okay, this is the consequences if I do jump from that heart and if I do. <laughs> was it just me? That's how I think about it. All right, I'm going to just start landing here. So, it is about on earth as it is in heaven. Um, if I seek, and we've said this before, um, that if I seek a kingdom with principles and not the presence of God, I'm seeking a kingdom without a king. Okay? And it is basically that God has designed us to be a presence-orientated people, to be aware of His presence. It's not just, it is ready to become aware of His presence, okay? So the Holy Spirit is, remember, God on earth. And you and I need to recognize Him as the greatest reality in the universe. And guess what? If the Holy Spirit is the greatest reality in the universe, then He can't be hard to find. So, this is the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. I say, let's let people experience Him out there. And the testimonies we're hearing of people, what's happening at the workplaces, you are the light. You are the answer. I'm telling you now, the world, if you hear what's happening, is in chaos. But the, the church, we are the answer. But some of us don't realize it because we want to understand everything. You're the answer. You're the miracle worker. God wants to reveal His glory through you. That's what is in heaven on earth. Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Father, I want to just pray for everyone right now listening and uh, with us here today. And Father, I want to pray for just, um, uh, just an awakening, a refreshing of your spirit. Let your wind of your Holy Spirit just blow and touch people's lives in a special way here this morning. I want to pray, Father, that you would just, um, just arrest our attention, our hearts, and our focus toward you, Lord. I want to pray, Lord, that we would understand what it is really just to um, know what it is that your presence, that there's increasing from glory to glory and that through us you want to reveal your glory lord 
And I just pray for everyone listening here, Lord, that our lives in somehow will be readjusted and our minds renewed even after this day, Lord, that we'll experience you, the living God, that we'll experience on earth as it is in heaven, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 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 Okay.